Hello everyone, welcome back to Cedar and Cypress Pod, or welcome for the first time if you are new. My name is Allison, and today it will actually be just me on this episode. The reason for that is that Liv is currently out of town and she's just not available to record. Uh, that's also the reason why our topic for today might be different than you expected. If you listened to last week's episode, you may have expected today's episode to be about Gnosticism, which is a heretical doctrine that Liv and I would really like to discuss on this podcast, but she did mention to me that she would like to uh, save that episode for one where she can be here and just enjoy that discussion with us. So for that reason, today I'm going to be doing a topic on my own, and if you've seen the title, you've already noticed that it's going to be a bit of a different episode today. Uh, Typically on this podcast, Liv and I talk about pretty broad theological and biblical topics, Uh, but today we're really going to zone in and we're going to have a conversation about finances. Yikes. Uh, Definitely a little bit of a tough conversation for some of us to have. Money can just be a pretty touchy subject, but what we like to do on this podcast is to dive into some of those topics that are just kind of hard to talk about sometimes and just be honest and open about them. So that's what we're going to be doing today. With this episode, there's going to be kind of two major parts to it. The first half is going to be kind of broad biblical principles for financial stewardship. Um, Just some of the um, broad ways that we can kind of think about money and principles that the Bible gives us when we approach money. And the second half of the episode is going to be a little bit more subjective. And those are just going to be kind of some tips that I have for financial stewardship and management, just some things I picked up along the way, you know, just some tips to kind of help you out. Because I do think that when we have a conversation about money, it's still really important to equip people with practical tips. And this has just been a kind of a topic that's been on my heart recently. My husband and I have had to do some reef hauling of our finances recently. And Liv and I have definitely had some pretty lengthy discussions just about money and how it impacts us. We've shared, you know, some kind of tips with each other as well about money. And we've talked about how it impacts us personally, emotionally, etc. All those different aspects of money. And so this, I just feel like it's a really great episode, a topic for us to discuss. So Before we get started, I did want to mention that I am by no means a professional financial advisor or analyst. I'm just a young adult. I'm learning to manage finances with my husband. And, you know, we want to buy a house eventually, maybe in the next few years. And so, we're, we're still learning as well. We're still learning how to work with one another and talk about money and all those, all those things, uh, budgeting and working together towards our goals. So, this is just a topic that I think it's really important for everyone and no matter where you are in life, I think that should be okay for you to be able to discuss it and to share, you know, the things that you've learned. So that's really just what I'm doing today. So we're still in the process of honing our financial skills. So I'm just another Christian learning and passing on tips and things that I have learned over the years. So let's go ahead and just jump into this first part here, which are some basic principles that I think are really helpful for us when we think about money and talk about money. And the first one that I thought was really important is that we are not to be slaves to our money. The Bible is very, very, very clear about this. So this means that whatever bad habits or shopping addictions or value we've attached to money or anything else that we might struggle with is really, really, really critical for Christians to remember that Jesus is our King and he helps us overcome those problems for his glory and our good. What I mean by that is that he's going to help us overcome those things for 
ultimately his kingdom to come in our lives and for us to be able to help build his kingdom and partner with him in that. What I do not mean by that is that suddenly all your credit card debt will disappear or you will come across millions of dollars in the lottery. That is not what I mean when I talk about overcoming. Overcoming is really in a spiritual sense, in an eternal sense, that we win in the end. We know that as Christians, but that doesn't mean that this life will always be easy when it comes to money. That's definitely going to be a struggle for some of us. That's just the reality of, of a broken and fallen world. 1 Timothy 6.10 tells us that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. This verse really just reminds us how important it is for us to be really discerning when we discuss money and when we manage our money because it can very, very, very quickly become an idol for a lot of us. For some of us, maybe it already has, and that's something that we're working to break free from with uh, with the help of God and the Holy Spirit, of course, but it's just really critical to keep that in mind. Jesus also tells us that we shouldn't be storing up our treasures here on earth and that money is a way that we can store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. So Matthew 6 tells us that uh, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then later down in verse 24, Jesus says, you cannot serve God and money. So this is just the reality of the situation that we can't have two gods. We can't serve both God and money. And so it has to come down to one of the two of them. And that's a decision between you and the Lord that you will make on a day-to-day basis every single day when you wake up and you manage your finances and you make purchases and you pay your bills. That is a decision we make every single day that we step out in faith and do. And it's just important, I think, for all of us to, to keep that in mind that ultimately God is the one who gives everything to us. And so we shouldn't be putting our value and serving money and being slaves to money. We also know that, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, that God will help us overcome those things in our lives. Uh, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good Those for those who are called, in, called according to his purpose. A key word here is those called according to his purpose. So if you're walking with the Lord and you're a Christian and you're following him, that he's going to make sure that nothing in your life goes to waste, nothing goes to vain, even the mistakes that you make in in your day-to-day life are going to be used for his glory. They're going to be teaching and learning and growing opportunities for you. So nothing in your life returns void when God is in control of your life. And the second really important principle when we think about money is that this is a tough one for some of us, definitely. It's been a struggle for me, is that giving, charity, and tithing are essential parts of the Christian's financial stewardship. Really. It's not optional, but also that it should never be forced or compulsory because then it's not actually giving anymore. So 2 Corinthians 9, 7 tells us, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but for God loves a cheerful giver. This really speaks to the fact that where our heart is when it comes to giving is really what is the most important. This is the reason why no one can tell you X amount of money that you should be tithing or giving and no one can tell you exactly uh, what charities to give to because that's not ultimately, you know, where our salvation lies. You ultimately follow God's conviction and the Holy Spirit 
to tithe and give as you have margin and as you are able. It's really important to keep in mind that God looks at our heart and cares about where our heart's posture is when we give, when we step out in faith and we say, okay, God, I'm going to give this amount of dollars to my church this month and I want you to do great things with it. I'm praying over this money. That's completely different than giving out of fear because you think that that makes you a good Christian or that's what's going to earn God's favor. So, our heart's attitude toward giving, not in anger or under compulsion, is always a very essential aspect of giving and the Christian's approach to giving. But with that said, giving can look different in so many different ways and to different people in different circumstances. So you can tie that church and you should. The Bible tells us that we should give to our churches and you can give to charities. So ones that personally I'm aware of and have given to in the past are like Samaritan's Purse. They do Operation Christmas Child every Christmas. You can look that up and Google. It's really easy to give to that. Um, You can have a compassion child that you support. You could give to a cause that is very personal to you. An example of that could be cancer research or anything like that. There are tons and tons of ways to give back to the world and to give to organizations that would appreciate your money. I would just advise you always to do your research, give wisely, and be discerning about what organizations you give to and, you know, being sure that they're in alignment with God's word and the principles and values of God's word. Another really awesome way that you can give is you can support missionaries or pastors. This is one that I personally have experience with because my family are, um, my parents are missionaries. So growing up, we had a pretty big family and we were always living on support. So our income fluctuated so much month to month, but it really taught us Our parents taught us really good financial stewardship principles for, you know, when you're unsure of what your income is going to look like. So that looks like very careful saving, being pretty strict on your budget for groceries and your basic necessities, making sure that you're covering those basic necessities first. your your transportation, your home, your food. Those are, of course, the most important things. Um, Even right now, my husband and I support some families who work with Fellowship of Christian Athletes as they can also raise support for their individual staff members. And so that's just a, a way that we like to give. And also, you know, believe it or not, you're giving to others when you treat others or you take care of others. My husband and I like to find small ways to give, um, like treating other people to dinner or coffee. You know, you may or may not have the margin for that in your budget, but I would just say try to see if you can find ways that you can give and give within your ability and your budgets. We are going to be talking about budgeting later in the second half of this episode, so I don't want to get too much into that, but just a really important thing to remember that giving is an essential part of the Christian's life and the Christian's financial stewardship. And again, I kind of want to return to that part of um, talking about our heart posture when we give because, you know, this is really the critical aspect when it comes to to giving and tithing and charity. Sometimes the most that you can give to your church and God's work is not a lot. And that's okay because it truly is your faith and not the number on the check that really matters to God in the long run. Ultimately, we have to ask ourselves, what does it cost me to trust God? Sometimes it costs us a heck of a lot to trust God and to give him our hard-earned money when we feel like we really need it to go to other things or we want it to go to other things. So maybe that's things for ourselves or, you know, 
other things that just seem more important in the moment. And I, one thing that really encourages me when I'm kind of in this mindset of of not wanting to be to give or being nervous about giving or I'm looking at all the bills and I'm looking at all the expenses and feeling nervous about our, our tithing is the widow's offering in Mark 12. So this is a, just a quick little story. I'm going to read you verses 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is a really powerful passage because Again, it's about how the number is not ultimately what matters. It's ultimately matter what it costs to give you. Now, I am not saying that you need to go pull out all your life savings and then tithe it all to your church at once. That is not necessarily what we're supposed to get out of of this passage. What it really means is that God sees how much it costs you to give and to tithe, and he loves to see the faith that it grows in you. That's truly way more valuable to him than a rich person putting in a ton of money because they're going to feel just as secure giving away a thousand when they have seven thousand back at home for their monthly budget. And that's not to say that it's bad if you make an income of seven thousand and you're tithing a thousand of it. That's great. But ultimately what Jesus is saying here is it costs the widow so much much to put in those two very small copper coins. And ultimately, what it costs us is really when it comes down to our faith, when we're stepping out and saying, okay, God, I trust you that you're going to cover the things that I need to cover my basic necessities. And Jesus also says something pretty similar as well in Luke 14, 28, where he says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So in this passage, Jesus is talking specifically about what it costs to follow him. So this is not in the context of money, but it can still be applied to the way that we think about and manage our money and our financial stewardship. Because again, it comes down to planning out carefully, budgeting, being sure that we're able to cover those things that are really important, like giving, as well as our basic necessities, the roof over our home, our transportation, things that are essential to our daily life. But again, Jesus is reminding us that it's important to be wise and to be discerning with our money and that it is a Christ-like and God-honoring trait to have to be to be smart with our money and to be managing in a way and have it go to things that are ultimately going to honor God. So the third thing that I think is really important for us when we're talking about financial stewardship, the third biblical principle is one that is really, really, really important. And the big keyword here is the financial stewardship aspect. So stewardship really implies that it's not yours, but that you're having it right now and that it currently is yours to take care of and to manage and to utilize. So ultimately, it's a reminder that everything that we have, whether it's money or resources or property or cars or whatever major assets that we have, it's all God's. It's not ours. And so we should treat our money and our assets and our possessions and our resources as such. 
Um, the sooner that we as Christians can let go of our sense of entitlement to our money and to having nice things, it gets so much easier to hold loosely to the things of this world. Um, we no longer will expect earthly treasures to keep us happy or to make us whole. God is the only one who can do that for us. And then we use those resources and gifts that he gives us to, of course, cover our basic necessities and then enjoy life with some of the awesome things out there that money can buy, but then also to make other people's lives better and to uh, treat others and to gift others and to bless them. And Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. And Ecclesiastes, as we have mentioned a couple times on this episode, uh, on this podcast, is just a book about essentially how all is vain in the world and that ultimately it really only matters that we're following God and that is the most important thing. And of course, when, we've, when we're following God in our spiritual lives and in our heart, our money and our money management are going to follow that naturally. So when we can hold loosely to the things of this world, we don't need to always have the nicest and newest, the shiniest and the best thing you know, I mean, iPhone released, um, Apple released a new iPhone every single year. And it's okay to not keep up with that every single year. It's okay not to always have the best thing or the, the nicest and newest car. But it's just important to have the things that, you know, get us there and back to our destination and to our places of work and have a phone in general just to be able to communicate with others. And so it comes down to the fact that we don't need to always be keeping up with the Joneses and you using our money as an idol to kind of gain a social status or whatever it is that we're seeking for money to complete for us. It's never going to do that for us. God is the only one that's going to do that for us. But then he also gives us money to enjoy, enjoy the things in this world. The parable of the talents from Matthew 25 also kind of reminds us how God wants us to steward things. Now, I'm not going to read the full portion here because it is verses 14 through 30. It is a pretty lengthy passage, but I would really, really strongly encourage you, if you're available and able to do this, just like pause the episode right now and go read that passage or listen to it on the Bible app audio because it's a really powerful passage that I'll just summarize really quickly here. Um, there was a man going on a journey. This is a parable, a story that Jesus told to illustrate a bigger purpose. So there was a man going on a journey and he called his servants and he gave them all differing amounts of talent. So he gave one five, he gave two to one, and then he gave one to, to another one. And they all did different things with this. So one of them went out and worked and servants who had five and two both did that they went out and increased as they had the margin for it. However, the person with the one talent buried it and, you know, wanted to keep it safe there and didn't do anything with it. And man came back and was just really proud of the two people who in invested that and worked on increasing that and, of course, was really disappointed in the person who just buried it and didn't do anything with it. This parable is a really strong and convicting reminder to us that what we have should be multiplied and should be grown. We should be investing it wisely. And we will talk about investing a little bit later. But investing means a lot of different things. Investing could mean actually investing in a diversified portfolio or and and you know, investing in precious metals or buying stocks. So there's that aspect of it, but also that you're using your money to invest in eternal things. So when you gift others, when you bless others with your money, when you give to your church or when 
you give to charities and to important causes that you're ultimately helping to build God's kingdom. And that is something that is more eternal than anything else. So you're building treasures for yourself up in heaven. So investing investing has a practical application here on earth, but it also has eternal significance. So when we keep that in mind, I feel like it can really help us make better decisions um, in what we do with our money. And speaking of making good decisions with our money, we have arrived at the second part of this episode, which are kind of my practical tips for financial stewardship. So this is, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, this is the more subjective part of the episode, just kind of some of my personal financial principles, things that I follow as a result of all the previous biblical principles. This is the natural outpouring of what I just explained to you in my life. So I will say, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, take or leave what is helpful to you and um, what applies to your life and feel free to, you know, disregard if this is not applicable to you. And the first one that is a really big one for me is I try as much as possible to not be a slave to debt, uh, to watch my credit, to pay off my credit card every single month, and to be aware of when the bill comes due and be ready to pay it. So this will require budgeting. This will require um, discipline. This will require trying not to make impulse purchases, um, managing your money well, and staying within the confines of your budget. Credit card debt is incredibly scary. It can feel like a mountain if you have uh, found yourself in a position where you have a lot of debt or you have poor credit, it can sometimes feel like this mountain in front of you that is just, you know, very hard to climb. Credit card debt is also pretty hard because it's very, very easy to get into, but it takes quite a bit of time to come out of. So credit card debt, I really try personally to really use my credit card um, for our basic things, like we buy gas with it, we weigh groceries with it, things like that. And I always make sure to pay it off um, in full, it's full balance every single month and make sure that my full credit limit is restored every single month. So when you're using credit card, it can be really hard because you're spending money that you don't necessarily have. So my recommendation for that is to always be checking your, your debit card balance. So what is actually on your checking account and looking at that as the money that you have to spend. And you may have a credit limit of 10000 you may have a credit limit of 50000 whatever it may be, is only spending the money that you currently have cash to cover. And that will be a really good guiding um, compass principle for you when you're using your credit card. I am not someone who would say never ever get credit cards. I would say if you're somebody that really, really struggles with financial stewardship and with budgeting or you know, if you have a shopping addiction or you're working through some of those other emotional attachments to money, if you can maybe pause using your credit card, if you're able to do that and just use your checking account to start building up and honing your financial skills. And then when you feel comfortable, you know, going and starting to use your credit card to cover things little by little. My husband and I just started with small things like putting gas on the credit card and being careful about that. And then when we were comfortable, we started using it for groceries and we started using it for other things. We just slowly eased our way in. There's no rush for you to do that immediately. Improving your credit is going to be something that takes a lot of time. So like I said, take your time, take it slow. There's no rush for you to get a bunch of credit cards. So, and I would also say with your credit cards, try to see if you can find something that kind of return rewards. So my husband and I have one that gives us 
miles that we can book airline tickets with and that gives us rewards on that. So there's um, tons of credit cards out there that you could find for different department stores or affiliated with all these different organizations. So I would say maybe just find one that's really valuable to you or something you will get a lot of use out of. So second, um, my second financial um, stewardship principle, a practical tip would be to limit your impulse buying as much as you possibly can. This is a tough one for some of us, but um, for some of us who really like to do online shopping like I do, I don't always like to go into stores or, or things like that. I like to buy a lot of things online. So what I have been doing for many, many years now is taking advantage of the bookmarks in my browser or the wish list on Amazon when you want to when I find something that I really want to buy. I feel like Amazon can be kind of a black hole because there's literally everything you could ever imagine to buy is on Amazon so you can kind of get scrolling for forever and sometimes you'll just find yourself finding all these random things that you want to buy like random kitchen gadgets or household items or clothes or there's just so much stuff on there. So for many years, I've been using the Amazon wish lists. And whenever I find something that I want to buy that I don't necessarily need right away, it's not a necessity. I put it on a wish list. And depending on how much I need it, or if I find that I need it, I might leave it several weeks and not revisit it or I bookmark something if it's not from Amazon you know another store I'll bookmark it and hold it in my browser in a folder for my wish list and I will leave it for several several weeks sometimes two sometimes three or four or five or like even a couple months if I'm not you know 100% certain and what I will do is revisit it in a few weeks and if I still want that item then I will purchase it and if I don't I'll just you know delete the bookmark or the wish list item off of my list and I have found this has saved me hundreds and honestly maybe thousands of dollars over the years that I've been kind of using this trick. The black hole that ha- that is Amazon, you know, just keeps me scrolling. So I'll liberally add things to that list. I won't even think about it, be like, hey, I want that. I'll put that on the list. And then I go back days or weeks later and, you know, delete what I don't want. And so this really, really has helped me with things like clothes or household items or kitchen things or you know, any type of thing that is not an immediate necessity that has really helped me a lot. And the other thing with limiting impulse buying, if you're not as much of an online shopper, but you find yourself impulse buying a lot in person is always, always, always take a list when you walk into a store. So rather than like wandering each aisle of the store and picking up whatever just looks good in the moment is knowing exactly what you need and only going into the store for that item and kind of having a one track mind. This can be really hard if you're like at a big department store like Home Goods or Marshalls or any of those big clothing stores that can be really challenging because they have all these like little random things or they have good deals on their clothes. But what I would say is know what you need, go in for a reason and then get out with what exactly what you need. Same goes for the grocery store. Uh, a really important part of not impulse buying at the grocery store is to not go in when you're hungry because you're just going to buy the whole store. This has happened to me, so there's no shame if you know this happens to you. But going into the grocery store when you're hungry is always a bad idea. You're just going to pick up a bunch of random things that you don't really and truly need. So I'd say meal prep or plan out all your meals and your dinners and just go in and buy those ingredients that you really need and just get out of there as, you know, as quickly as possible. Another way you can do do that. I mean, you can do Instacart or you can do Amazon Grocery, which I think Liv, Liv really likes to use the Amazon Grocery. So whatever way that works for you, try to limit your food buying also to the things that you only need. And then the last part of this tip is to not make shopping or try to reduce shopping as a social 
a social gathering or a social event. So sometimes with people, I've found that shopping has become a little bit of like a social event. So we'll go out and that's kind of our hangout. But if you can reduce that, that would be awesome. Like suggesting other things that are cheaper, whether it's like going out to coffee or just going out on a walk or just trying to find other ways that you can do things that do not cost money, um, I think will also really help with limiting impulse purchases because if you're out shopping with someone and they're buying stuff you kind of have that feeling that you need to get things and you're just you're gonna end up spending money that you don't need to spend and you might end up regretting it later if you pick up you know clothes and then you never wear them so that's just my last part of that practical tip so my third practical tip with financial stewardship is to build your emergency fund as quickly as you possibly can. I think this really comes hand in hand with, you know, ultimately what Jesus said about counting our costs and being wise and discerning and planning things out well. So if you find yourself that you're in a pinch because you have a medical emergency or a car accident and there's flooding or storming in your home or, or there's something unexpected that happens, you really don't want to find yourself without an emergency fund and have to use credit or something else to cover an emergency. So what I would say is if you have to, just pinch yourself for a few months and be super strict on your budgets for a couple months so you can build up that emergency fund. Uh, For some people, they say like six months of income. Some people say a little more than that. Some people say a little less than that. I feel like a really, really good kind of medium to have there is about 1500 if you're just starting, if you have no savings at all. And that's really where you're just starting at bottom line, I would say. See if you can get yourself to 1500 and then increase that because I think that once you've built up 1500 you will continue to hone your financial skills to a point where, you know, you'll eventually have six months or more of your income saved up if you have emergencies or if you lose your job or, or just something unexpected happens that you'll you'll find yourself situated in a bit more of a secure position if something like that happens. So you really want to be prepared for everything. This tip is, is just really basic is to put away as much as you possibly can, which I would say if you can challenge yourself to do short-term challenges like for a week, only buy what's necessary. Do not buy anything else. My husband and I will do those challenges every once in a while. We'll say, okay, this is going to be like a no spend month where, or a no spend week or a no spend two weeks where we only purchase things that we absolutely need. No going out for restaurants, no shopping, no extraneous video games or clothing or anything like that. We will just do groceries and bills and rent and things like that. If you can challenge yourself to do that for one day or two days or three days, whatever it is, I would say start with something small so you can build up that emergency fund. And then the fourth one, I feel like this maybe should have been first, but this is just kind of the natural order of succession that I see with with these tips is right after that emergency fund is to, um, what you're going to have to do concurrently with that is to budget budget, 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 budget. The first hurdle is making the budget. So that means going through your income, of course, and writing down your income and then writing down all your expenses and your bills that are typical month to month. And then the second mountain of the budgeting aspect is going to be sticking to it. This can be super hard, but be realistic with yourself. Uh, Those of us with abnormal incomes may not always have the same month to month income. So we might need to be um, a little bit more strict with our emergency funds so that we can cover our necessities like that later on if we have a really thin month on our income and things like that. I think budgeting really goes hand in hand with limiting your impulse purchases so that you're really only sticking within the confines of of what you already have for a particular 
aspects of your life. So whether it's covering rent or covering your groceries or covering some of those, you know, basic things, making sure that we're limiting any extraneous spending so that all those things can be covered and um, and covered sometimes with a little bit more to put away because maybe you haven't used all of it. Um, some people like to do uh, apps. I personally really like to do digital budgeting. So I use a spreadsheet and I use apps and things like that to track all of my spending and my money. Uh, for others, we really like to use an actual, write it down on paper. That's completely fine as well. Some people also like to manage with cash. I almost never have cash or ever hold cash on me ever. I only really use a debit and credit card. Um, but some people, of course, they like to use all their cash and put it in envelopes or buckets and only utilize out of those particular buckets or envelopes. That's another great way. It's really, I would say, making, finding a way to make budgeting realistic for you and easy for you. So take the path of least resistance whatever's going to make most sense to you when it comes to budgeting is to do that. Really, if it's the envelopes, then use the envelopes. If it's using an app because you find that easier, use the app. So again, finding the ways to customize these tips for your life and to make it more applicable to your situation. And then the fifth thing I would say is to invest when and where you can. This is definitely a little bit more of a subjective one as well because this will be different for everyone. Proverbs 13:11 says wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. This is a really really helpful principle when we think about investing. I would say honestly just take it slow. You don't have to know everything at first, but just take your time, truly do your research and learn, you know, what you would like to invest in and how much you're able to do that. You might not be able to do this at first if you're just learning to budget and just learning to start with your finances. I would say this is kind of a tertiary thing to building your emergency fund and then budgeting, of course. So there's so many apps out there that you can use. You can connect to your bank account to pull out automatic investments. Maybe it's a dollar a week. Maybe it's $50 a week. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's less. Whatever that is. But I would just say, you know, see if you can find something small to put in a low risk or diversified portfolio. And that will be better than nothing at all. Like that verse from Proverbs, something little builds up so much over time. So a dollar a day at the end of a year, you have $365 that you didn't have when you started on day zero. So I would just say whatever you have the margin for. And again, also contribute as much as you possibly can to your retirement fund. Check with your employer about their matching policies. Customize your contribution as you can and as you're able. Try to invest more than less if you can. Just taking those little small steps. Investing is definitely something that I think takes a lot of time to learn about. I am by no means an expert on that. I'm just learning to invest as well. So I would just say really honestly take your time and do your research when it comes to investing to try to limit, you know, taking any risks that you don't need to. Uh, allow yourself time to, to learn how to do that because it's not going to be an overnight uh, an overnight thing. That's definitely going to be t- something that takes you a lot of time to learn if that's not something you're familiar with. I would also try to avoid doing things that say like investing in things that are very quickly and they're like get rich quick schemes or things like that. Like this, this proverb verse reminds us to, you know, just investing a little bit every day can give us a lot more than investing a ton of money when we think it's going to be this huge return over a short amount of time. If that's your thing and you have a lot of money to spare, you know, 
don't let me put a damper on that. But it's just my personal opinion that it, it's a lot more wise and discerning with our money and our financial stewardship to take our time and to go for those low risk things so that we can build up our money over time um, and not take huge risks on getting rich very quickly or, or things like that. And the sixth practical, practical tip I have, and actually the last one for today, is a really important one, something that undergirds all these other those other five tips that I gave, and it's to allow yourself grace and time to get better with financial stewardship. I think that sometimes we can be disappointed in ourselves when we haven't saved as much money as we had wished we had, or we find ourselves in a deficit, or we're looking at a mountain of credit card debt that just feels like we're never going to climb past. Maybe we have put ourselves in bad positions financially and we feel a lot of shame and guilt for that. Maybe we've had situations where uh, we've had to lose assets or sell assets or we've had, you know, big issues with money or fights about money with our spouse or whatever it may be or, or broken trust, whatever that you're going through when it comes to money. Um, just allow yourself time and grace to get better at that. Money is a huge part of our lives and sometimes we do allow it to define us and we allow it to define our value. I have certainly been guilty of that in the past. This is your reminder that you are not your money and only Christ defines you. So with that definition of our identity, then we're freed because we don't have to earn God's favor with our money or earn other people's favor. We're liberated to instead use our money to please him and honor him with our financial stewardship. Financial stewardship is not easy or fast. Maybe it's a skill for you that was ingrained in you when you were really young and you saw your parents have great financial um, stewardship like I did. And maybe it's just a skill that you need to learn to flex and to hone and develop more. But honestly, maybe financial stewardship, it's something you weren't taught, or maybe you were taught the opposite, or maybe you have bad habits from your family's spending habits. I have no idea what your situation is, but I would just say that for each person, financial stewardship is a journey. It's not a race. It's not a sprint. It's something that will take you time. And like I've been saying all across this episode, to be keeping in mind those undergirding principles for the the other things like again that our money is not our own and so we should use do wise and discerning smart things with our money as much as possible keeping in mind that it's all made to honor god and to bless others and of course to cover cover the things that we need it to um, but just keeping in mind those things i think can can really encourage us and help us and free us from sometimes the slave that feels like money i am not perfect at these things either. These are all things that I'm learning to do with my husband. Um, we have times that are hard. We have months that are scary. We have times that oh, we struggle. And so I think keeping an open dialogue about money with the people in our lives, being accountable to others in our lives, inviting them into money in our lives, I think that can also be really freeing. So you know, maybe it's just saying, hey, like I can't go to that because I'm trying to save money or, or whatever it may be. Just being open with other people and accountable with other people, I think, can really free us from, from the slave master that feels like money a lot of times because the only person that we need to please or we are, have an audience of one, it's just God. And so that really frees us. Um, so that's what I have for you today. I really hope that you enjoyed this kind of more practical, uh, helpful tips type episode. I've really enjoyed doing episodes like this. Like I, I remember a while back, I did an episode on like reclaiming your Bible time and just giving you a few practical tips for that. Financial stewardship uh, is, you know, a topic I'm really passionate about. So I hope that you enjoy this. I hope it's been encouraging to you. I hope 
that maybe you've picked up just a couple things here and there, some little tidbits that can help you in your life and your journey with financial stewardship and investing and trusting God. I'm wishing you all the best on that journey. Uh, hopefully next week we'll be back with Liv with our conversation on Gnosticism. Uh, I really appreciate you tuning in today and I will see you next time.